This interview is brought to you by Bellamy's Organic Premium Certified Organic Toddler Milk Drink and Baby Food, a pure start to life. A listener production. If you have a baby, have you planned how you will start solids? It's really important to have a good idea of how you want to start solids with your baby, whether it's finger food, spoon feeding, or a combination of the two. But tuning into them and understanding their preferences right from the start is the perfect start. Today on Feed Play Love, the different ways you can start solids with your baby. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. There's nothing quite like watching your baby eat solids for the first time. Whether it's puree pumpkin or they start chewing on a piece of broccoli, it's delightful and life-affirming and, yes, a bit messy. Jess Beaton is a mum of four and a practising dietitian with one-handed cooks, the duo who have a huge online following creating easy, yummy meals for families. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. I think it's hilarious that I said something about chewing on a piece of broccoli because my whole parenting life has been aimed at getting my kids to eat my favourite vegetable. <laughs> I feel like I've been on this journey with you, Siobhan. I We've think had you so have. many chats over the years <laughs> as our kids have grown up. Um, I love it. I think I want to start with your experience as a mum of four and a dietitian. You have introduced solids four times now. Yes. <laughs> Has it gotten easier each time? Have you done it differently each time? I have done it differently each time. And I think that's because they are each so different. And by the time I started solids to Jude, my fourth little boy, I had the perspective of already feeding three babies beforehand and long gone were the days where I was interested in you know, pureeing multiple vegetables and storing them. I did still, but I learnt a lot of strategies along the way, all tips and tricks to make it more seamless. I introduced family foods so much earlier, but I did that for number two, my second born and my third born than I did probably for my first. And I had a lot more confidence in introducing harder to chew finger foods And I had also done a lot of learnings in my journey of helping other parents start solids and, you know, thousands of families that follow us on one hand of cooks and being able to give them their own advice based on my experiences. So let's go back to the first time you introduced solids. I think before I had babies, I thought it must be the most straightforward thing just to introduce food. But it's not, is it? Like when you, especially when it's your first child that you're introducing it to. Yes. And if you're on maternity leave and at home, you're waiting for the next step in your parenting journey and in your baby's journey. They're rolling over, they're on their tummy. They're just so much more engaged. They're awake for longer stretches and you think, what next? What next? You are seeking so much information on all parts of their development and starting solids is one of those big milestones that comes that you can enjoy with your babies. Lots of people are eager to get going. Is there a right or wrong way to do it? At One Hand of Cooks, we really focus on when your baby is showing signs of readiness rather than a particular age. For us, between Ali 
and I and Sarah, we're up to baby number eight wow. of starting solids. So for us, our babies have always shown strong signs of readiness between five and a half and six months. So the infant feeding guidelines within Australia suggest four and a half to six months. And the allergy guidelines and the who guidelines are all around that time and closest to six months. So what are signs of readiness? The signs of readiness. So we want our babies to have good head and neck control. So when they're seated in an appropriate high chair that offers good upright posture, they've got head, good head and neck control. So we don't want any wobbly heads and avoiding bounces or a reclined seating position. That's for obvious safety reasons to prevent choking or any food going down the wrong way. So good head neck control. The next one is that they are losing their tongue thrust reflex. So that's when an object is presented to their mouth, say a spoon or a piece of food, their tongue automatically goes to push it out. Again, that's another safety reflex for them. Um, so that's lessening or has gone completely. And typically by around six months, that's gone. But um, some may be earlier or certainly lessening if you're keen to start solids say between five and a half, six months, their growth pattern and their weight gain is plateauing along the growth curve. So if you are getting regular me measurements, your child and family health nurse or GP or pediatrician, you might say, see a slowing of their growth on the growth chart. And it's harder to feel their, satisfy their appetite with milk alone. Between four and five months, some babies will begin waking up a lot overnight and we can commonly mistake this for hunger and if we start solids at this time before they are truly ready and their digestive system is not ready introducing solids and food to an immature gut can actually contribute to more night waking oh with wind and constipation and just general irritability so whew, we need to look at the the whole, the, the whole baby, picture the whole picture. And have a few, not just one or two. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, there's some really good points <laughs> that I'm thinking. And honestly, once your baby is, by waiting till your baby is really ready to start solids and ticked off the majority of the signs of readiness, you can really progress with the types and the textures and the amount of foods a lot more quickly. Your baby is generally happier and more engaged with food and able to perhaps sit and interact with you at a meal time for a lot longer. Would I be right in saying that there are really two choices when you start solids? You're either hand feeding pureed food or you're allowing your baby to use their own hands and pick up more solid bits of food. I've always loved to recommend introducing a bit of both. So if you're introducing solids before six months, I usually suggest just offering smooth purees to your baby. They are a nice transition from milk, the smooth texture of milk, and you can thin it down to a smoother consistency. And a lot of the first foods that we offer, like pumpkin, apple, pear, sweet potato, have got a nice sweetness. And babies have an innate preference for sweet foods, so it's a nice transition once they hit six months and you've offered your baby some first tastes, then 
it's great to start offering finger foods. The early introduction of finger foods can be great for their oral motor development, their fine motor skills, a lot of things, and also just learning a little bit more about food and sensory aspects around food and mealtimes. It also helps to desensitise that gag reflex. So if you've got a baby that tends to gag a lot at mealtimes, introducing finger foods early on in their journey can really help lessen that gag reflex too. So introducing from six months a combination of spoon-fed meals and finger foods, you can really help propel their skills as well as satisfying their appetite. I feel like one of the fears parents might have with finger foods is that whole choking thing. (laughs) Because let's face it, that you're talking about the gag reflex and it feels like with um, the baby led weaning, it may have more risk to that. Is that true? Or is it just, do we just have to be careful what kind of foods we're giving them? Yes. So understanding the difference between gagging and choking is really important to give yourself the confidence to be able to offer a wide range of finger foods to your baby and to help them with self-feeding and that independent aspect of eating. And as I mentioned before, introducing finger foods early in your baby's journey just offers so much benefit to their oral motor skills, particularly that tongue being able to move side to side. We call it the tongue lateralization movement, which again is a huge benefit to reducing the risk of choking if they have good oral motor skills. But I guess more importantly, as you're mentioning, the types of foods that we're offering. So soft, squishable finger foods. At six months, we're introducing, well, finger length, stick size pieces of food because they don't have the fine motor skills to use their pincer grip yet. That comes closer to nine to 10 months of age and they can easily grab it, the whole food in their palm and take it to their mouth to eat. So finger size stick lengths of food and soft squishable, so steamed or roasted vegetables like sweet potato, carrot, potato, um, steamed broccoli, and fruits, soft ripe fruits, pear. What about meat? Meat, yes. That was the next thing on my list after fruit. At six months, for my second, third, and fourth boys, I offered them a lamb cutlet and corn on the cob. Lucky kids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even the adults in my house don't get lamb anymore. No, it's only the kids. (laughs) And now it's ration because there's so many of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. One chop amongst you four. But the lamb cutlet is gorgeous for those young babies because it's got the little handle. They can grab it with their little palm, take it to their mouth and iron rich foods are one of the recommendations that we introduce from six months because the iron stores in their body have started to deplete by this age and is no longer met by breast milk or formula alone. And iron is so important for their brain development, their growth and energy requirements, and also to keep their appetite on track too. It's also really important for their immune system. So the meat in strip size pieces and like strips of steak or lamb cutlet. We can offer um, flaked cooked fish, hard boiled eggs, um, but also if we want to do more spoon fed options for those meat options like bolognese, 
cooked mince mashed through with some of their favourite spoon-fed veggies, little meatballs, lasagna or bolognese, like little lasagna fingers that can be spoon-fed and mashed or... Um, I was just thinking finger lasagna food. fingers where they use their hands. I'm like, you're a brave woman, oh, Jess. Oh, yes, yes. Well, if you scroll through our Instagram or some of our old stories from when our babies were starting solids, there is a lot of mess. And... <laughs> That's another point and another conversation. Embrace the mess. Yeah, absolutely. Because eating is the most sensory activity that we do. Touch, taste, even sound, smell. And for them to feel comfortable to be able to touch, they get a really good understanding of what that food's going to feel like in their mouth. If you are focusing on finger foods and offering a lot of finger foods at mealtimes, what does that food feel like? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it hard? Is it soft? What may that feel like in my mouth? And then once they're feeling comfortable with the touch of it, then they might like to. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember you saying that even if they're not eating it, just that they can experience the sense of it with whether it is touch, smell, or whatever it is, that that is helping them get used to the food itself. Yeah, absolutely. And also you, eating with you is so important because they are watching every move we make and they will often glance over at us and if we're eating the same foods, they're like, oh, that's how I eat that food. And I like to even suggest sitting next to them, not opposite. It can be a little bit too much for some of them if they get a bit stage fright or if we're tempted to offer a lot of help and support <laughs> or encouragement. <laughs> I often find I've I've watched a lot of videos of little babies just leaning right back away from the spoon or away from the table if we're sort of trying to put new foods in front of them, try this or picking it up and putting it towards their mouth. Let them set the pace in the early stages. For the reluctant eaters in particular, giving them some space to interact, pick up foods, put it down. Even if they only have a little nibble or two or one or two spoonfuls, we're really trusting them and their appetite in this early stage. We try again the next meal And they can the completely change, right? Like you look at when children grow, they can go from having no appetite one day to just eating you out of house and home the next. Absolutely. And my fourth boy... <laughs> He's a strong little boy and he's always had a good appetite, but he would swing drastically between wanting to be spoon fed to be wanting to feed himself. And it was just going with the flow. He was very accepting of all foods, which was really great, but he did go through phases of where he wanted to eat less. So their phases of growth are not linear. They're very up and down and their appetite changes with that. And as well with their development and at six months, seven months, eight months, a lot is still happening. So I get messages, my baby hasn't been eating much for three or four days. Is this normal? And usually I send back a whole lot of questions. Have they been unwell? Are they teething? Are they learning any new movement milestones? Because when they're trying to pull themselves to stand or crawl, all the big movement milestones well, not all, but some will often go through a phase of not eating. They're really focused on achieving the next movement milestones. And so their appetite and their focus on eating and learning to eat just takes a step back. So tuning into their appetite, responding to those hunger cues and fullness cues, 
respecting those, the styles of eating just builds a whole lot of trust between you and your baby. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can do in these early stages of starting solids and teaching your baby how to eat. So um, I love your cookbooks and I love the way that you and Ali really focus on making it easy for parents to give simple, healthy meals to their kids. And when I say simple, simple to cook, simple to serve, simple for the kids to eat. However, (laughs) there have been times in my life when I have not been very organised and I've reached for the pouch, you know, the little food, squeegee, squeegee things. And I'm wondering what you think about those. Oh, aren't we so lucky to have a wide variety of nutritious commercial options for our babies, toddlers, children? And I think it's just educating yourself on how to interpret the ingredients and the food labels, because that can really help in directing your choices in the supermarket. And it's important to find some balance in your overall meals that you're providing to your child. Goodness knows, I think I reared my children on Greek yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only thing they would eat for so long. I just put everything, Greek yogurt, that's it, they'll eat that. That's a great transition (laughs) to, um, I remember dolloping uh, Greek yogurt in some family style meals to help with the transition and the taste because they love Greek yogurt. They found um, like a curry a little bit tricky, but um, put in the Greek yogurt yogurt and (laughs) there we go. Slowly reduce the Greek yogurt and we're we're on to curry. Yeah, absolutely. And now my children will not eat Greek yogurt. Jess, thank you so much for your advice and time today. Oh, thank you so much. That's Jess Beaton. She's an accredited practicing dietitian with one-handed cooks. This interview was brought to you by Bellamy's Organic Premium Certified Organic Toddler Milk Drink and Baby Food. A pure start to life. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.